He puts His Spirit in our heart. And if we are in synchronous behavior with Him, it would naturally follow that we, the things we want to do are the things He would want us to do. Hello, this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. With me today, we have Eric. Hey there. Yeah, Tracy. Good morning. Hello. Hello, everybody. So, guys, I'm pretty sure I mentioned last, well, I do, I I know I mentioned last week, I was in Nebraska, and um, as we were coming home, we did something kind of cool I'd never done before. If you're, if anybody, anybody who's familiar going across Nebraska on I-80, you get to this town called Kearney, and there's this <laughs> weird structure going over the interstate. And my wife's family is largely from northwestern Iowa, and so uh, the, the times that we go to visit them, we generally take I-80 across uh, Nebraska and then head up north. Um, and we've driven under this thing, I don't know how many times, and but this time on the way home, we decided we were going to actually stop at this thing. And uh, it's a museum. It's a, it turned out to be a really interesting museum all about travel and the, evo- well, the evolution of travel and what they call the Lincoln Highway and how it was so important to uh, the, the, the formation of the United States. Um, it, it starts with, with uh, you know, wagon travel and it talks about the immigration of the Mormons from the East Coast to uh, Salt Lake or was it Utah? Um, you know, it, it travel. It just goes into the, you know the evolution of how roads are made and how cars are made, and I don't know. It just ended up being a really interesting little side journey that we'd never done. You know, because generally when we're traveling, it's just like let's go and get there. And it was just kind of a reminder that every once in a while we need to stop and and uh, you know look at those things that we don't always necessarily want to stop for i was just a little curious if you guys ever had any of those little weird roadside attractions that you thought were cool or if, or if you've ever stopped for any of them you know uh, just just curious what your travels have entailed over the years any 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 cool things that stick out oh so many i've got a volkswagen van and i've put over a hundred thousand miles on that and some of my favorite kind of traveling is that I would take a, a week off and say, okay, we're going to go west roughly 600, 700 miles. Uh, we'll be back in a week, and that's what we're going to do. And somebody said, well, where are you going to go? Is it probably Wyoming, unless that's boring, and then we'll go to Montana. And if we don't like that, we'll go to Utah. Well, how long are you going to stay? As long as it's fun. And I have seen so many amazing things. And I kind of think that some of my best trips are that way. And and as difficult as life is, and 2020 has been, wow, a whole side trip, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, it, is it looking for the interesting in the unexpected? Mm-hmm. Because if, if I set out a plan for a trip and it's going to be just this, this, and this, and it's going to hit all these marks, then I'm disappointed if it doesn't hit those marks. I'm upset if I'm not on time. If I didn't – so I personally – I think those trips where you just like, hey, let's stop and look at that. I mean, I remember we, I was driving through Nevada once, and we saw a sign. We just drove by past it at, I don't know, 85 probably because we're in the desert. And it said, Craters of the Moon. And I went past it. I'm like, what? wait a minute. That actually sounds just vaguely intriguing. So <laughs> we turned around and went back and went to these 
literally, I'm not saying that the moon landing was faked, but if you were going to fake it, you could do it out there and it would be really convincing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was just, it was an amazing, just like a cool thing. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm all about that stuff. Oh yeah. Love that stuff. And road trips are so great anyway. Talk about a, talk about a, a, an, an intriguing way to get to know your companions. There's nothing like a road trip being stuck in the car for hours. Yeah. Um, but my, my dad was a big history buff. And when, when I was a kid, we drove everywhere. We'd take, and the first time I got on a plane, I was an adult because we just always drove everywhere. And we'd, we'd road trip it from one side of the country to the other or from here to there or whatever. And it was just a blast. And him being a history buff, um, it was like every battlefield or every historic site or every old fort or, you know, things like that. And it was always just like, oh, that's so neat. And it was as a as a young person, it was a chance to remember that there's a whole lot more that's gone on in the world before I arrived to make it what it is. Right. And so that's a that's a good perspective to kind of widen the kid's mind. Most recently, I, I think I haven't been on a road trip in a couple or at least one worth mentioning. But most re- the most recent time that I did an interesting side jaunt just out of curiosity it was the petrified wood forest over in, uh, what is it, Kansas, Nebraska area. And I was like, I'm looking around at zero trees going, a petrified forest. Really? You're <laughs> mm. serious. Okay, I'll, I'm game. We're, okay, where's the turnoff? We're going. We're going. Fun. How about you, Tracy? You know, I was trying to think about it. You know, there's always cool ones when we went up and down the coast. Like... um what is that? Is that Route 66? Yeah, that goes east-west through... That's east or west. That, yeah. The Highway 1. Down, the, down right. the coast. Is that 101 or Which something coast? like that? Yeah, Which I coast? think it's the 101. Pacific Coast Highway. There's one. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, there's one of those. Which is really cool when you sit down there and sit all the, the cliff structures and, and that kind yeah. of thing. That was really cool. I like that. Nice. Yeah. it's it's a, It's cool to stop and look around and look look around you and just see what's what's there and not just you know get your blinders on and and go you know yeah, well israel did a pretty long road trip they had time to look out the window didn't they, they you, you, you trip, say it turned you, into a long one you stole my segue <laughs> <laughs> but yeah definitely they had a nice 40 year long segue or a road trip going on or they uh they got to see they got to see a whole lot more of the land than they were probably planning on. Well, shoot, they weren't planning on taking the trip at all. And I mean, I guess they was always in the plans, but uh, when it was and time to, to go, point, it was time to go. They learned about their companions. Yeah, they yeah, did. yeah. A lot of time to get to know each other and and uh, form this uh, form this community. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, on that, let's. Let's get into our discussion today. We are continuing in Deuteronomy. Uh, chapter 26 is where we start this week. And uh, just just a little recap. They're just about ready to step into the promised land that they've been promised for 400 plus years. And Moses is giving them reviews and reminders. Uh, and actually, this is really this is a whole new generation than what left Egypt. And so... Um, just kind of reminding them of the history that they've come from and where they're going. And now he's giving them some instructions for when they go in to the, to the promised land. And it begins talking about when they come into the land that God gave them, 
that they are supposed to give some of the first fruit of their produce from the ground specifically. And, you know, this made me think all the way back to Cain, where Cain was making offerings from his crops. And that at that time was not accepted. But now it's like God is specifically asking for that. Thought it could be an well, interesting it sin, discussion. It was a sin offering. Cain was doing a sin offering, not a first fruits. Yeah. Funny. So it was a well. It doesn't specifically say. I don't think other yeah. than Abel was offering from his flocks, and Cain was offering from his from his uh, crops. And so I guess you can you can kind of extrapolate there that there was maybe a sin offering going on there. So I just thought it was an interesting thing there where under one circumstance it was not accepted and other and another circumstance it was expected. Yes. I think it comes down to exactly doing what you're told to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and God was very very explicit in him telling him this is what I want you to do you know, coming out of the garden and it just wasn't followed. And now he's saying, this is what I require of you. So, you know, I think it's just doing what you're told. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think about that too. And I think I've got, I've got two kids and I may say like, Hey, look, I need you. I really want you to clean your bathroom. You know, we've got company coming over and you know, an hour or two later, I'll look in the bathroom and it's not clean. I'm like, Hey, you didn't clean the bathroom. Oh, but I practice the piano. I'm like, okay, that's cool, but that is not what I ask you to do. Hmm. And we often do that too, and then we're upset with God. You know, it's like well, I did this other thing, and he's like, but that's not what I asked you to do. And we see we see that as a theme going through over and over. I mean, Saul eventually that is the that is the thing. Spoiler alert. That is the last straw to where God says, I'm removing my, okay, I'm done trying to talk to you. Because Saul's like, but but I offered sacrifices, right? Mm -hmm. And so under the right circumstances, that's the right thing to do. Under the wrong circumstances, it was absolutely the wrong thing to do. Right. Not all who say unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. In that day, people will say to me, but Lord, we did this in your name and we did that in your name and we did this thing over here in your name. And I will say, get away from me. I never knew you. Yeah, yeah that is uh, that's an interesting thing to pull from that where where you can be doing the things that um, seem right. But if it's not what you were told to do, it becomes wrong. Well, in doing this, they were supposed to make a, this declaration which was just basically a reminder to themselves of where they had came from, that they had come to this land that had been sworn to them by God that uh, they, you know, this was all done through Abraham who had gone to Egypt and in Egypt, he became a great nation there. They were mistreated by the Egyptians and the Lord brought them out of Egypt. And so they've brought their first fruits. So this is a, this is a declaration they're supposed to make while they're doing this. This is all a reminder there, you know, uh, it's just that, that, um, that this was a journey, that this was, this began a long time ago, that, that this has been God's leading and, um, they all know exactly what's been happening here. Mm-hmm. And then in verse, hmm? go ahead. Where are you going? Oh, I was just going to say, verse 11, they're reminded yeah, that they're supposed to going. rejoice. Yeah, they're supposed <laughs> to rejoice in this thing. So go ahead, Eric. 
that's where I was going. You, you yeah. got it. You beat me. Yeah. So they're supposed to. This is supposed to be a rejoice. This isn't. I mean, yes, this is expected of them. I think we maybe it was a. I don't know. Maybe two or three episodes ago, we talked about how when the times that God commands you to rejoice, you know, basically have a party, have some fun, have some, you know, be happy. And uh, this isn't a time to be long in the face and bored and, and depressed because this is an amazing thing that's happened. Yep, that's where I was going to go. The next place it's going to go is the tithing. And I think an interesting concept of that is in verse 13. Basically, when you say you've paid your tithe, you're kind of like, okay, so you pay your tithe. And this was a special tithe. It's the tithe of the produce in the third year, which mm-hmm. is the year of tithing, which is interesting. So they set aside their tithe, which was a tenth of their produce. And so this had to be in some way a certain dimension of produce because some of these things are just not going to last three years, you mm-hmm. know. And so somehow they've been saving up their their tenth to pay to the Levites because at this point this is a very practical thing. Uh, we could get into tithing what its value is today or not. But at any rate, the point that I want to make is in 13 where after you've paid your tithe, you say, I have removed the sacred portion out of my house. So the concept here is that the tithe isn't yours. It's like that's God's. Mm-hmm. And until you pay it, you are basically holding on to something that he's given you. Like I have I have to put a, an index card here in my office whenever I loan stuff to people because I just forget. Like, whoa, wow, where did that thing go? I loaned it to somebody. And when I loan it to them, it's theirs to use, but it's not theirs. They need to give it back. And tithe, as it's related here, is never the property of the person who's holding it. it need, it's God's. And it's to be given back. And so they make this declaration, I have removed the sacred portion out of my house. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it's important. Like you said, this is this doesn't belong to them in the first place. So I've always tried to change the way I think of it from paying to returning. Because God has given you all of this. And here you... This is just you're just returning to God what's already his rather than rather than paying. And that's just my personal my personal way of thinking it is is returning tithes rather than paying. Except because it's not yours. It's not yours to begin with. Uh, And I I, I picked up on verse 14 there, Eric, where it talks about um, says, I have not eaten any of it when in mourning, nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use. Basically, this is not for your use. This is for. God's use. And here it's specifically it's been being given to what did it say? It said to the the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. So I mean this is a this is an outward thinking type of offering where this is specifically provided to or or, or returned or given to provide for others and not for yourself. So you know, just remembering that that tithe doesn't belong to you and God has a purpose for it. Okay, so quick quick story here regarding tithe. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned it before, but this is just too recent for me to ignore. I was looking through Evernote and I have to keep my brain there, otherwise I'll forget things. And I have a thing called a tithe tracker. And I run a couple uh, businesses and it's difficult for me to keep track of everything. And it's as Karen can attest to, because she's helped me with this before, um, I'm not an accountant. 
I'm just going to say that right there. I am. That's not my gifted area. And I had written down that, you know, when I pay tithe for things so I don't forget it. And I was scrolling through and I found it's like, oh, man, I forgot to pay tithe for the last quarter from 2019. So it's mm-hmm. confession time. I hadn't paid back that tithe. It's like, okay, so I need to do that. And I kind of calculated up how much that is. And it's like, wow, you know, I had um, ended last year was pretty good. 2020, not so awesome. The first uh, portion of it anyways. And so I was like, well, okay, but I got to return the tithe. I have to do this. And I made up my mind on Thursday, I'm going to pay this back tithe. On Friday, I got a call. They said, hey, you've been approved for this grant. And the grant more than covered the chunk that I was due for tithe. Like, it, it just like literally like right there. Thursday, I'm paying the tithe. Friday, hey, you got a grant. And I was like, okay, that's just, mm-hmm. this has happened too many times to me. In the, not every time. Okay. I want to be clear about that. But these little reminders have come to me too many times. With the timing that says, hey, this is, don't, don't ignore this. Mm-hmm. And it just struck me. I was like, wow, that is just too coincidental to be a coincidence. It just isn't. My point is, it's God's. We're returning his. And he wants to bless us. Not to make us all rich, because you read the Bible enough, riches come with plenty of Headaches. Now, being poor sucks too. <laughs> Be clear about that. But, uh, um, but there's blessings, and He wants to bless us. And really, if there's anything else that we get out of this reading that we're doing this week, is blessings. Like, yeah. look, hey, I want to bless you, but we're not blessed because of. I mean, when it comes to tithe, I think that He has a special set of blessings it's in a different category. But we're not blessed because of our straight up our, our obedience. And to contrast this is verse 18 in verse 20 in chapter 26. And the Lord declared today that you are a people of his treasured possession, as he promised, mm-hmm. and you are to keep his commandments and all these things. So he chose them before they were obedient. He chose yes. them. He didn't choose them because they were obedient, because, oh, my goodness, we can't. I mean, mm-hmm. listen to our podcast, read the Bible here. The first part, they were not obedient. They were I mean, they were a lot like us, and God still chose them. And so it was grace. He chose them first, and then he asked them to obey. And as we get into it later today, he's like, look, I want you to obey from your heart. This isn't, I don't want lip service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we get into, uh, let's see, 16 through 18, you've touched on, or 19, you've touched on this already, where God is reminding them, observe the commandments and this phrase comes about, this phrase comes up so often in the Old Testament, and we we tend to think of this as like this New Testament thing, but observe these commandments with all your heart and with all your soul. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's coincidental that that phrase comes up when we're talking about the commandments and when we're talking about loving God. Because, you know, we hear about love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, which we have already seen originated in the New t- or the Old Testament to begin with. And, mm-hmm. and Jesus is just quoting that. Mm-hmm. And that's not a that's not a new thing, but how the, observing these commandments is a part of that, uh, not not a, not as a means for salvation, but as an expression of your faith. Verse seventeen came out to me really, really um, good here. Not 
how do I want to put that? It struck me well, where it says, you have pro- you've proclaimed the Lord to be your God. And that's, that's an important thing. If you've proclaimed, if you have proclaimed the Lord to be your God, this puts you in a special place. It puts you in a special category. It gives you certain special, re- um, uh, responsibilities. And, you know, they're told, walk in his ways, keep his statutes, keep his commandments and his judgments and obey his voice. So this is I think this is a lot of um, part of that commandment of don't take the Lord, the Lord's name in vain. You know, don't claim to be don't don't claim to belong to God and then expect that your life isn't going to change. Don't claim to belong to God and expect to just um live however you feel like living uh, there's there's going to be outward expression involved with that and it's going to be deliberate and it's going to require that you you act like you belong to the one that you say you belong to chapter 27 starts with the law inscribed on stones now the, you know when i first read that title i assumed all, i just immediately assumed that we were talking about the 10 commandments uh, but as you read on you find out, no, we're not really, we're not talking about that at all, or at least, I mean, it might be on his thing, but, but these were large, it says large stones whitewashed with lime. And it talks about how this law is written on them. And by this law, I was a little wondering what exactly, what, what is written on them? Is it the Ten Commandments? Is it something specific that Moses had laid out to them? Is it the whole Torah? commandments because then when it talks about what they recited out loud it was not the ten commandments it was this kind of like strange little narrow subsection of very specific guidelines i assumed that what was written on the standing stones on the plaster was the law like the ten the big ten i don't know yeah i don't know because i mean this just talks about this law yeah Thinking, well, Moses, we're still reading what you're writing here, you know. I, so I don't, I don't suppose it was the. Uh, I, I, you'd have to have some pretty big stones there to write the entire Torah on there. So I don't think it was that, but you know, it could have been. It could have been about the the sacrificial uh, system. Could have included the Ten Commandments. Could have been, I don't know. Could have been any number of things, I suppose. Because if you remember here, not too long ago, we were talking about how the kings, when they were going to have a king. They were supposed to write a copy of the law for themselves. Well, mm. you know, I, I don't know exactly what they would have written, but I suspect whatever it was would be the same thing as what was on these on these stones. And they're kind of placed like landmarks I, is the way I took it. It's just it was just kind of interesting that this was uh, this is something we don't hear about a lot. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing that I that I noted out of this. I, I too, don't know what law was written on it. I, I just don't know. But what I found it interesting is it was specified that it would be made in, in uh, 27.6, you should build an altar to the Lord of stones. You should wield no iron on them. Actually, that's five. And you should build an altar to the Lord, your God, of uncut stones. So this was intentionally to be more about the law than the edifice. Like mm-hmm. today, we'll make a great big fancy sign or monument, and we spend all our energy on them. I, I, I'll... I'll go derail here for just a split second is we'll spend all the money on the wedding and not on the marriage. And 
God here is specifically saying, yeah, just use rocks and don't uh, make sure you don't make them fancy and cut them all up and do cool masonry. Just get like raw stones, stack them up and whitewash them, plaster them and write the law. So they wouldn't get to be idolizing the the fixture so that the focus would be plainly on the content, whatever that was. Not getting stuck on the outward appearance. Yeah, exactly. Now, the other part of this that I thought was interesting is that this was going to be this was supposed to be a place for sacrifice. And this was not the sanctuary. And God was telling them, make this make this place for sacrifices. It struck me interesting because you remember when uh, the few Israelites that stayed behind said, we're going to build this other altar. And the other group said, uh, no, you're not. And they were ready to go to war over it. You know, the idea of having a second altar for sacrifice was so anathema to them that they were ready to they were ready to kill family members over it. And um, and and so, God says, here, here's a here's a place I want you to make sacrifices. That just was interesting to me. Go ahead, Karen. Sacrifices, yes, but specifically fellowship offerings. Mm. So this is a barbecue place, right? Sacrifice fellowship offerings here, eating them and rejoicing in the presence of the Lord your God. This is a local get-together place, and the law of God is still supposed to rule. Mm-hmm. Mm. Even when it's a social get-together for rejoicing, it is yeah. still supposed to be guided and framed by the law. Don't get carried away. Yeah. Yeah. And so, considering their their history with you know, parties or getting sidetracked with different forms of worship, that's probably really smart. Okay, so there's this guy here locally that I know, and whenever people get together to hang out in a group, he wants to open with prayer, and his prayer always includes this one sentence, and that is, guide our thoughts and our conversations. And I always think to myself, hmm, yeah, because when people get together you know, when Christian people get together outside of a church for social reasons, that can go out the window. Mm. Well, sometimes we worship together and sometimes we socialize together. And when we socialize together, you know, this gets set aside. And I like how he continually brings that back up. And I thought of that when I read this this verse, uh, verse uh, 27, 7, about fellowship offerings, eating them together and rejoicing in the presence of God. It's like, no, even your social hangouts get framed by the law. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it as this as a social thing. As in mine, it's I saw, it talks about making peace offerings, mm-hmm. but that that throws, that's some, some good light. Thank you. That section it concludes with the idea: take heed and listen. Let's see. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. And we had just talked about how they had declared themselves, now they have, saying they have become the people of the Lord. And it's rem- they're reminded, obey God, observe the commandments and the statutes. First, you can, you know, we've talked about here this a lot. First, they had salvation. First, God chose them and took them out of Egypt. And then came obedience out of, out of gratitude and faith. The next part here, uh, finishing up chapter 27, I found a little confusing i don't understand the history of it much talks about curses pronounced from mount ebal but first it talks about how from mount gerizim to bless the people you're going to have simeon levi judah issachar joseph and benjamin then from mount mount ebal to to pronounce curses you're going to have reuben gad asher zebulun dan and naphtali and then it talks about all these various curses that would be 
that can be placed on the people. I didn't understand the point of the two mountains. I didn't understand the point of half the tribes being there for blessing, the other half for curses. Anybody have any insight on that? I also didn't understand how the Levites were supposed to be part of the blessing, but then starting in verse 15, it was the Levites who call out these curses that all the people respond to. Yeah, I was kind of confused by that whole thing, too. I felt like I was missing some information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just, I don't know. The There's thing, a, yeah. I just think it's a thing that they did, and it shows up other places, where they would, yeah, this is kind of a cultural thing. You get one half the choir over here and the other half the choir over here. Now, in my mind, hearing these mountains, it's kind of like, you guys aren't even going to be able to see each other. What's that about? Mm. Um, and so I, I guess I'd have to understand the geography a lot better. But we see this kind of um, rhetorical technique back and forth, how that worked, how close they were. Could they hear each other? Could yeah. they? I, I don't I don't know. I There's the logistics of it. But then listening to the words, just the curses, anybody who goes through that, most of those things, like, hey, don't be doing this. Most of those things we would agree with today and say, yeah, we're pretty much on board with with most of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just suddenly got an image in my head of like a high school football game of the two crowds on either side of the field. We've got spirit. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of that sort of that kind of thing going on here. Yeah, that's how I picture it too. But then they're on yep. separate mountains. I'm like, mm, what? Yeah. So uh, um, it meant something for them. Yes. And and um, it, it's cl- it's clearly not meant for 21st century uh, uh, culture. But it was participatory. I guess that's the thing I could take away with it. Is instead of just saying, "Okay, y'all sit in the in the uh, congregation, and I'll just read this stuff to you." It was mm-hmm. kind of a responsive reading, you know, this half the people say this real loud and the other people have this. And so it would they would participate in it. Yeah. And anytime you participate in any kind of a worship thing, you're not just sitting there and letting things happen. It keeps uh, you it, engaged. Yeah, exactly. It keeps you engaged. <laughs> I mean, I can I, maybe. <laughs> I know I, I know our pastor sees me every once in a while. My I rest my eyes. Sometimes during church, and <laughs> let's face it, I, you know, yeah, while I'm engaged and I'm and I'm actively doing things, you know, we teach, you know, teaching I a mean, class sure. or, or 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 um or sit, you know, standing up and singing or whatever. But it's like as soon as I sit down, it's like I can really try and try and try to listen to the sermon, but I'll, it's it's kind of where I can tend to check out sometimes, and I feel I feel bad about it, but it's it's just participation is more engaging you know just by just by definition and, and being being a part of it uh, it makes a big difference now Deuteronomy 28 it talks about a lot of different blessings and curses blessings on obedience and curses on disobedience and I don't I don't think we necessarily unless you guys have something specific that stood out to you of any of those specific blessings or curses I don't know that we need to delve too deeply into them but essentially it's if you obey it says god will set you on high and you'll get certain blessings because you obey and then you're told if you're you'll be blessed in all kinds of various ways enemies will be defeated lord will establish you people will be afraid of you you should you know you won't turn aside so there's all these blessings to be had from obedience to god 
And I don't know if we take that today to be specifically, if you obey God, then everything goes well for you all the time and you get everything you want. But right. there are certain blessings that just come along with following God's ways. Yes. And, and that's a good, that's a really good point, Matt, because that was one of the things I was thinking about as I read this. Two, yeah. two big things. One's the smallest word, if. Yeah. And tend to skip that. We're like, we want the blessing, but not the obedience part. But also specific, specific to 28, there seems to be things in here that are specific blessings for the children of Israel at this point in history. It's like we're building a nation. And so here are some specific things that I will bless you with that seem to be for that place in time, which is basically I'm just saying, hey, um, you know, I'm just going to pick one. Verse 10. And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. It's like, well, do I take that today, you know, to say, well, okay, so I'm I'm a disciple of God. Uh, you know, I follow. Does that mean every the foreign nations will be afraid of me? Or is that like, okay, right here in Israel, as they do this thing, this is for them. Right. Just not to say yeah, that's 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 totally how I took it. And and I had that same sort of mental conversation as I was reading through it, because, you know, my continual dilemma is which promises in the Bible are for those people in that moment and and which laws in the Bible are for those people in that moment, you know, guidance. And then which ones are for me? Like, which ones can I extrapolate out for myself? Yeah. And so I, I'm always thinking about that as I read. And I and I thought the exact same thing. And the Israelites were supposed to be like this sort of city on a hill that the whole world could see. And and if we remember, I remembered back to when God would become angry with the Israelites and Moses would go to intercede and he would say, do not punish them because think about how that will make you look. You brought them out of Egypt. You're God. You're the leader. You brought them out of Egypt and then and then and then you bring your children out here and you wipe them out right so there was this kind of like all of the surrounding nations are watching they're watching and so they're going to learn about god by how the israelites interact and how they act and i thought and i and i was like mm, yeah definitely these these people were a city on a hill and they were supposed to lead the lead the then known modern world by how they served god and how god took care of them with his this covenant that they were renewing. Mm-hmm. See, and I think it's what we've kind of said all along is though that, you know, it was the outward appearance and it was on display. And I think too, when you look at this, that sometimes when you, when you have that outward appearance, maybe the, um, the outside influences and temptations won't come as readily. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? That sometimes, yeah. It will be people look at you and go, you know, maybe I just won't even try to tempt them because I'm just by their outward appearance, they're not going to go for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I looked at it, that, you know, if you put that in front of you, if you put that armor on, it might deter some of the temptations. Yeah. And I guess if you're if you're acting outwardly when those temptations come, it just becomes more of a habit to not fall into the, those temptations. And I you think know, there was an honesty check, this whole renewing the covenant. Like the, the reason that this was interactive, I think was 
to help solidify in each person's mind, like God made this covenant to the nation as a whole. I make a covenant back to him as an individual. And I'll, and I know that this will jump ahead a few verses, but in verse 19 of chapter 29, you kind of see this. It says, um, actually I'll start in 18. It says, make sure there is no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose heart, right? So, okay, we're back to the heart. Whose heart turns away from the Lord our God to go and worship the gods of these other nations and make sure there is no root among you that produces bitter poison. When such a person hears the words of this oath and they invoke a blessing on themselves thinking, I will be safe even though I persist in going my own way, they will bring disaster on this watered land as well as the dry. See, so it's like, it's an, it's an individual call to honesty as well as a sort of overall or systemic call to honesty in this oath. Like we will do these things. And it's, and there's a specific sort of warning here about somebody who gives the outward appearance and has no intention of living up to it. I'll, I'll give the outer nod so that I'm safe, so that I have God's blessings. I'll invoke his blessings with my words, but then I'll actually just do what I want. Yep. And that's the thing. We, these all go together. I mean, they're not cellular. It's not like chapter 28 right. is a separate planet than chapter 29. Moses is writing all of this and this all goes together. Um, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a really important concept that Karen's touched on. And I, I don't want to go over it without highlighting that there is an individual responsibility for corporate success. And when I say corporate, I mean the, the nation of Israel, the, the God's people, and applied to a local congregation, to any number of things, is that there, are, there is an individual component that actually interacts with the success of other people. In other words, what I do as an individual does impact someone else. And for our listeners, we're in the in what would be considered mostly the West of the United States. We're, we're in Colorado and there's kind of an attitude of, we came out here to, to get our space, to do our own thing, to not be too, you know, burdened with uh, too many regulations and so on like this. It's this, it, it goes way back to the, to the people who settled here hundred, you know, 150 years ago. And that's the individualism. And that can be a really good thing, but there can also be a downside to where we forget that what we do as individuals does impact others and the whole. It's, it's, a, it's a balancing thing because it's not one or the other. No. It's a both kind of a thing, and, and that's, a, that's a concept that's largely lost on us today, wherever you are in the world but more so in, in the United States is this idea of like individualism. Like I'm just going to do the thing that I do and you just give me space. Don't, don't expect me to do something because it impacts or doesn't impact you because you're not that important. I'm important and I'm going to do what's best for me and how that impacts you is none of your business or my business. I'm just going to do my own thing. And that concept was not part of their world. They were way more tribe, like you do the thing for the tribe, and it's a shame and honor thing, 
it's kind of like you're it's it's a concept that's a deep one but it's important the things that um that an individual does and how that reflects on the whole we'll get to that later as we have the story of Aiken um as they are going to the to the promised land that that's a thing that's difficult for us to read and easy to skip over just to think like oh whatever that means and what Karen's pointed out here is that the individual's responsibility and impact on the whole is important in a way that it's difficult for us in, you know, the 21st century to really kind of get our head around how big a deal that was then. The chapter goes on after talking about these blessings, and we were we were just we were mentioning before we started recording this morning how you have this short little passage of blessings, and then probably, gosh, twice as long. Uh, in, 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 yeah, yeah. At, at least in uh, curses. And I, I guess my first thought here is, you know, if you do things, if you do this, it's going to be really good for you. But if you don't do this, it's going to be really, really bad for you. And may, maybe a little negative reinforcement works better on people sometimes. And I think that's maybe what's happening here. But basically, if you do not obey, these curses will come and overtake you. Talks about wickedness brings cursing, confusion, and rebuke. Uh, ultimately, it brings destruction. It brings madness, blindness, confusion of heart. And you could maybe take that literal for them. You can certainly take it figuratively for us. One thing that I noticed, there's God takes credit for the curses. And... Mm. And I know that I know that there's varying sort of theological stances on this kind of thing, like, well, Satan is responsible for the evil in the world, and God is responsible for the good. And God will never tempt you, and Satan is the father of lies, right? But there's also places in the Old Testament where God, there's also places in the Bible where it says, God is the one that appoints your leaders. Okay, well. We could look at the leaders of the world nowadays and stretching back through history and think to ourselves, really, God appointed all of those people? Because a lot of them weren't great. But but God doesn't, you know, God doesn't appoint leaders to do necessarily his will. He appoints leaders to guide the world through history to the end that he has crafted for us, Right. So you have to sort of take your hands off of that steering wheel with as far as assuming what his intentions are. And but it's always kind of tricky to me, like, where is God active and where does God simply step back and let sin enter in and not intervene for people? And that gets very, very tricky to me. You know, okay, so currently in Colorado, there are a couple of really big fires going on and there are a lot of properties that are being threatened. And a lot of properties that have been destroyed. And at my workplace this week, one of the girls said, well, I don't think that our property will be destroyed because we're Christians and we're praying for it. Ooh. We're praying for protection. And I thought to my, and so, and I actually said to her, well, I'm pretty sure that there's been a lot of property and homes destroyed already that was owned by believing Christians who prayed. Yep. So... Yeah be careful, right? Yep. And yep. so and so where do we lay? So here's God taking credit. Like if you do not obey me, these curses will happen. Is he simply seeing into the future and acknowledging what will happen? 
Because a lot, you know, if, if you've read the rest of the Bible, you know, a lot of this stuff literally, literally came true for the Israelites. And some of it was awful. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or where do you, where do you say he stepped back and he let sin enter because these people chose to step out from under his specific, in, um, his specific stated protection. See? And that's a dilemma then, like when I read this, I kind of don't know how to sort that in my head. And it's even more of a dilemma now. If I obey God, do I have an expectation of protection? And how far does that go considering I live in a complex world? You see what I'm getting at? That's the end of my speech. 100%. I think it's super relevant to today. And I think that's why I personally, I think that's why this whole thing kicked off early anyways with Job. The book of Job. It's just mm-hmm. on earth, they all think it's like, yeah, well, God did, God blessed and God cursed and God, and God, he doesn't show up. He shows us that there's an evil force at, at work. But in the book of Job, he just says, I'm God and you're not as it, as it wraps up. And God's people have to say, well, I'm following what God called me to do regardless of where this goes though he slay me yet will i serve him yeah it's not an easy answer it is not an easy pat answer and i think i just like you karen i fear for those who have the idea like well i'm a christian you know got cancer cancer doesn't kill christians well actually yeah Yeah. christians die from that christians die in automobile accidents christians die in massacres christians die in fires my grandfather and grandmother were, were missionaries in, um, in China and the Philippines in the, in the, uh, early fifties. And there was a concept out there called rice Christians. I was like, what's that? And they said, well, that was the concept that if you're a Christian, you're just always going to get free rice. It's just going to come to you. (laughs) That's why you would become a Christian because you become a Christian and you're just going to get rice. (laughs) <laughs> and it, it didn't extend beyond that. Like that was the level at which they were committed. And, and I think that there, I, yeah, they use that in Asia, but there are plenty of people in America who follow under that same category, rice Christians. It's like, Oh, Hey, I'm, I'll, I'll go to church on whatever I go and do the thing that I do. And, and, uh, I won't receive any, any harm in this world. And okay, come on. Seriously, look at the look at the New Testament. John was the only disciple that died a natural death, if you want to call imprisonment on a tiny island in a in a yeah, it was a prison colony after he'd been oh how many times did they try to kill him in how many Months. different crazy ways? He's the only one who died a natural death. So so people who come up with this like, well, if you had faith and if you obeyed God, everything would go smooth. It's like, so you're telling me that all the disciples basically didn't have faith. That's a pretty steep hill to climb. Yeah. We're left with this dilemma, this blessings and curses. And all. I believe that there are blessings at following him and honoring him. But the idea that we always get ahead, that we always get money, that we all, hey, because I'm my story with Tithe earlier, I also lost a bunch of income this year, like up a lot. And so, yeah, I, I think it's like, I'm, I'm going to say, it's like Paul says, hey, look, I've, I've learned the secret to being um, 
to being content, content. Yeah. We, always, we always end up with this, like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We're like, yay, right. that means I can, I can run the marathon, I get the best time, I can summit this mountain if I'm climbing, I can do all things. Then you know, the context of that is, hey, when bad stuff happens, I'm okay with it. When good things happen, I'm okay with it. I can, I can handle all these things because Christ allows, helps me, strengthens me to get through it. And that is... That's the only way I can deal with these kind of questions of when, when bad things happen. Although, to circle back, God is being very intentional, saying, don't do this stuff. There's a lot of if. If you go specifically, explicitly told you, don't do this, it's going to go very badly for you. And it all did. I mean, it went just like the script. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's what I was getting at before. Like, how much of this could you actually say as a specific curse and how much could you say as God simply knowing what the future will bring if they make these decisions and stating it out loud to them? Like God is, if God created time, right? Okay. So for those of us who believe in intelligent design in the creator, God, if God created this shell of time that we're all walking through, he's not part of it. He knows the future. And so for him to prophesy to, to lay out the future of this timeline or that timeline or this set of choices or that set of choices. That's not magic. That's science. He can walk around in time and be like, if you make this choice, this is what's going to happen. If you make that choice, that's what's going to happen. And, and is that a specific curse or is that an observation? You know what I mean? So some, so it's, I don't know. It's just, it's hard for me to balance all that. Yeah, but that's a matter of attribution. And I look at it maybe in a simpler way and just say, I don't know how that happens, but I think I'm going to (laughs) obey. That's probably the smart way to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it happens or whatever it goes. I'm going to say God's in charge and I'm going to stick with him and I'm going to walk through him. Walk through whatever happens with him. And and I'm going to do that because it's very metaphysical. But for Israel, it is. And you read ahead. We will we read ahead. All of these things happen. Spoiler yeah. alert, the listeners. All yeah. of this stuff, literally, because God's pretty graphic. I mean, this is like this is an R-rated chapter here. Yeah. And and just for violence, okay. It all happens. Like this yeah. is awful things. And in God's mercy, He's saying, please don't do this, or this is going to happen. Don't stick a fork in the socket. I'm telling you what's going to happen. And eventually they're like, yeah, I don't know. Let's just see what happens when we stick a fork in the socket. And just exactly what he said was going to happen happens. Definitely. Chapter 29, moving on here. It begins talking about how the covenant is renewed in Moab. And God basically says, you have seen, or I guess Moses says it, as you've seen all that the Lord did, yet the Lord has not given you a heart to perceive. So that's like, you've seen all the things that have happened. You've seen the miracles. You've seen the exodus. You've, you, you've seen, you, you know about the parting of the Red Sea. You know about the, the, the uh, manna. All of these things, but you still don't understand what's going on here. In, the, in 40 years, you've seen just some of the most fantastic miracles happen and you've seen this nation grow and you don't get it right 
<laughs> Just with a reminder again, keep the words. All of you stand today before the Lord your God so, so that you can enter in the covenant, enter into this oath, and it says, so that he may establish you today for himself. This is um, probably important to remember that, you know, yes, God is doing this stuff for them, um, but ultimately, largely, this is this is what he wants. You know, it's not just because you want it. This is what God wants. And and but I think we've said that the entire way. We we kept going back to man, how can they be making these mistakes, or how can the ground open up and swallow somebody, and the next day they're complaining. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. And we've said this for the entire Exodus. And I think once again, he's just reiterating, look, you've had all these opportunities. You've seen all these things. You, you know what? You got to choose. Are you going to are you going to be with me? You know, based on what you've seen and um, how your heart's been changed or not. Well, well and a- my, my Bible captions chapter 29, renewal of the covenant. So he's going back and he's re- revisiting the thing mm-hmm. that he said before. And he's now that you're on the cusp of it, now that you're standing on the border, we're going to go back and we're going to renew this. And I'm going to ask each of you to own this for yourselves. Yeah. That's kind of what I got at chapter 29. Yeah. Verse 14 and 15 stood out to me. I make this covenant and this oath, not with you alone, but with him who stands here with us today before the Lord our God, as well as with him who is not here with us today. Yeah. Yeah. All the way back to Abraham and all the way into the future. Yeah. This is this this idea that the old covenant was was like just for the Israelites. I mean, this is like for this was for everybody. Anybody who wanted to take part of in it was is is invited here. Yeah, um, I think so. And you know, this had nothing to do with where you were born, who your parents were. This is all about: Do you want to be a part of it? You want to be a part of it? Here you go. Come on in. Um. Oh, where was I? Well, you were in fifteen just then. Yeah, I got sorry. I got sidetracked there. My brain went <laughs> squirrel somewhere. Oh, squirrel. Yeah, uh, but um. So this this covenant here, and then so you won't be there won't be anyone among you who turns to other gods. So follow this, you know, join in this covenant. So there won't be anyone among you who turns to other gods. Well, you know, we know they did. We know that they or eventually will. Oh, it talks about verse nineteen. Let me read this here. It may not happen when he hears the words of this curse that he blesses himself in his heart, saying, "I shall have peace, even though I follow the dictates of my heart." Mm-hmm. This concept that you can, you know, if you just if you're just doing what you think is right, you know, just just follow your heart, do what you think is right, and you're going to be fine. Uh, you know, no, that that that's very specifically not what's being said here. What's yeah. being said here is She's follow saying. God's commandments, be yep. a part of this covenant, yes. and then you will have peace. Yes, not. Not just, it's not a matter of you determining what is right. It's a matter of following what God has already told you is right. Yeah. Not, I, man, I was just, I wish I would have remembered. I was just seeing a quote, something like that from, from Walt Whitman. And he's like, challenge everything you hear from the government and from, and from the church and, and follow your own heart. It was something along those lines. And like, oh, that just sounds, that doesn't, that just doesn't ring quite right with me. 
Because <laughs> yeah. I immediately I thought, lean not on your own understanding. Yeah. Well, it's a, but also everything that he's saying to challenge is created by man as well. So he does he doesn't say challenge everything here from God. Certainly, right? Yeah, yeah. Did but it do- was he was definitely talking about following your 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 heart though, and finding yeah. about what's right for you. And well, we've we've been told specifically what's right for us. Were you going to say something? Yeah, no, lip lip surface is not enough. That is not going to cut it here. No, it, that's that is the core essentially of what's going into chapter thirty. The mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm. of where obedience comes from, you know, compare that to 30 verse 10, when you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in his book of the law, when you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And that is, you know, again, it's turning first and the obedience comes later, but it's your heart and your soul. That's where it's at. Is in, in back, it goes back up into verse six, and, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Again, it's not the first time we've heard this, mm-hmm. and it shows up. And if we were like, man, that just seems like we've read it before, we did. We read it in ten sixteen. It's also in Jeremiah thirty one thirty three, and Ezekiel eleven nineteen. It is God wants our heart to be in line with what he said, and it goes with obedience. And this idea of just blessing ourselves and saying, yeah, I'm just going to do what's in my heart because my compass is right. Through the whole Bible, we have both literal, we're told this, and we have examples of when we follow the compass of our own heart outside of the guidance. Now, this is this is to be under a caveat here, when we follow the compass of our heart, when it is not converted, and when we are not obeying, it ends in disaster. When we have dedicated our heart to God, and we are listening to what he says, and we are obeying, this is the, this is the flip side of that. He puts his law in our heart. He puts his spirit in our heart. And if we are in synchronous behavior with him, it would naturally follow that we the things we want to do are the things he would want us to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so the idea that we should never follow our, our, our heart or go with what feels like in harmony with our heart is a thing to, to take very carefully because if our heart is our, in our, on our own, back to 29, uh, 19, if we're going to bless our own, we're going to bless ourselves in my own heart saying, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be safe even though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. That's not going to go okay. But when we surrender to God and we say, I want you to lead, I can imagine that when Jesus did what he did, whatever he did, it was in harmony with the spirit. And so his heart was like, yeah, okay, now it's time to go here. Now it's time to go do this other thing. And the one time that was the exception to that is I believe anyways, is as he's in Gethsemane and he's saying, Oh, like, like, look, my, my body, my spirit, my, like, I don't want to do this, but your will, it's, he, he reverts to God's specific overt guidance saying, not as I will, but as you will. He always lived that. And if we do that, then I think that he, he wants us to be, how do I want to say, 
he wants to synchronize our spirit with, with his will. And that's why we see this rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. It's like, Hey, if you're in my will and you're doing the things you're supposed to, you'll be happy. Like your heart will be good. You'll be like, yes, this is the thing I'm supposed to be doing. And for the, for our listeners, we get up early on Saturday mornings to, to log into this. Like it's early. It's dark. Matt was in this morning, like, Hey, it's dark. We're getting up early on Saturday morning. I can't speak for the others. But why do I do it? It's because I enjoy it. It's not Absolutely. a burden. Yep. It's not a burden. It's not a horrible thing. It's like this is my heart wants to do these things mm-hmm. that naturally probably wouldn't getting up in the dark on a weekend morning. <laughs> and so we got to be really careful with this idea that we can never have a happy heart because there's a whole section of Christianity kind of believes like, well, you, you always got to just mope around and feel sad and feel persecuted. And if you don't feel that way, you're probably not in sync with God. I'm like, no, over and over and over. He like, he wants us to rejoice. He wants us to be happy. He, he wants us to surrender to him. And this will result in our blessing. Fruit of the spirit. Second one is joy. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. The chapter 30 has a lot of things, you know, it talks about when these things will come to pass, the blessings and the curses. That's, this is, you know, we talk about the times when there's if, there's definitely times when there is when. Yes. When all these things come to pass. So, I mean, yes, they're going to have they're going to have times of of prosperity, and they are absolutely going to have times of cursing and because of because of their actions. But when you re and also when you return to the Lord, when you return to the Lord, God will bring you back from captivity. And I don't think that that's just, I don't think that just has to be taken literally. We all live in some kind of captivity. Yeah. I mean, we talk about having freedom, but we're also very human. We all tend to, uh, you know, let ourselves go back into the captivities of that we were in. But when we come back, there's always that blessing there. There's always that God is always there with his hand out for, for us to take it and he will lift us out of that. I really did like that part about God circumcising your heart because there's again, that's another one of those things. It seems like it gets brought up in the new Testament as if it's something new and God is saying, and God's saying it back here. So God, God will circumcise your heart. This is what he really wants. Uh, yeah. The last part of the chapter though, talking about the choice of life or death, just, just the title of that section stands out to me. Um, the, the idea that you you have a choice, you know, what are you going to follow? Are you going to follow the ways of life, or are you going to follow the ways of death? Can and I say something here? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, I liked I like how he starts in verse eleven, <clears throat> where he says, "Yes, now yes. what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond right. your reach. It is not up in heaven, so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us, so that we may obey it." Nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may obey it. I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. So now, now with all the details removed, like the specifics that are supposed to happen to or against Israel, now I think we can take this wholeheartedly and make this ours, right? Mm-hmm. I command you today to love the Lord your God, walk in obedience to him, keep his commands, decrees, and laws. You will live and increase, and the Lord will bless you. 
If your heart turns away, if you're not obedient, if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods, you will certainly be destroyed. We know this. Read Revelation. We know this is going to happen. Ultimately, this is the fate of the planet. This day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you. I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Choose life so that you and your children may live and you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. Mm-hmm. I really like that. That's good stuff. Yeah, I was going to point that out too. That it's it's not it's it's not that hard to figure out. It's right there, life or it's death. It's 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 good or it's bad. It's 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 just it's not that hard. Now I may get in trouble with some of the Christian community with this next part. I want to talk about here. And verse seventeen talks about says if your heart turns away so that you do not hear. And are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I've been reading a book the la- a little while ago. My dad recommended it to me. It was given to him to read, and he gave it to me. Wanted me to read it. It's called Faith. Let me think about. It. I don't have it right next to me. It's called Faith that Pleases God. Any of you ever read that? Nope. Don't no. Know that. I thought honestly, Eric. I thought maybe you had because you've talked. You you've said things that almost sounded like direct quotes out of there. But um, maybe it's just because. Maybe they're me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but um, you know, it, it basically the the book talks about faith, and it's largely about not continually asking God for forgiveness because you've already been forgiven. Okay, but it talks about, and a lot of Christians talk about how you can't lose your salvation, how you can't, you know, once you've chosen to accept God, and once you have chosen to uh, follow Christ, that you your salvation is assured forever. Whether you want it or not. Kind of like a lobster trap. You can get in, but you can't get out. Mm-hmm. And so where I'm going with this, with this verse 17, and I know we've said it, and, I'm, and I will stand by it, don't form a doctrine based on a single uh, verse. But it talks about here, you know, people talk about losing your salvation. I am going to present a concept here that you may not lose it, but you can set it aside. You know what I mean? You know, you you, you might uh, you you can lose a pair of glasses, or you can put them put them aside. You know exactly where it is, and you just never pick them up again. You know, and that's what it sounded like to me. If your heart turns away, if you turn away from your salvation you can choose to not have it do i do i sound out of line there maybe the end of the podcast isn't the greatest way to to greatest book to bring this up i do this all the time it's not my fault that god put this here no matt to your point sound, what it sounded like is you're saying you have a choice yep yeah and that's I, you point. do have a choice you yep. have a choice to accept jesus as your savior or you don't Yep. Mm-hmm. And you can change your mind. You can change your mind. You know, and I always think of I always think of Saul. Yep. You know, I think of he started off, you know, prophesying, you know, yep. and then he ended on a battlefield being misled by a witch. Yeah, this is King Saul, by the way, not the yes. uh, King Saul. Oh. Um yeah. you know, so I think I think it just comes down to that choice. You have a choice to follow me. But I will always be here if you make the choice to follow me. Yeah, that is a that that's the distinction to make here. 
you know, I mean, people talk about, you know, Jesus is never going to turn away from you. And I 100% agree with that. Once you have chosen Christ, once you have chosen to follow God's ways, he is always going to be there with his hand out. He's got, you know, come with me if you want to live, you know, and he's always there. But you have you have to reach out to take that hand. And you do have the option of letting go. Yes. And um, I think that's clear here at the end of 30. And actually through everything we've been reading. Yes. As if they had no choice. Why would we why would Moses be talking about this? He would just say, God chose you. Good to go. All right. See you on the other side. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I just think that's so important to remember because I've heard from so many sources. Well, you're saved. You're good forever. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, I know that God's always there, but I, I, I've got a choice in the matter. I, I have, I have responsibility here. I have choice. I have to, um, you know, I've got to stick with it and do a part. And, and yeah, the, the, the sacrifice was all, was all Christ and the grace is all Christ. Right. But I've got to choose to accept it. I've got to choose to want it. I have to choose to follow it. Yes. Yeah, I think that, look, if you take choice out of the matter, then the then the the Bible could be a much, 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 much shorter book. It would be like, hey, you know what? Just say the sinner's prayer. Done. Mm -hmm. Really, we could fit it on one page. But the story is these stories are of people going in and out of their choices to, to follow God. You know, we've, we're not into the kings of Israel yet, but we see them choosing to follow God or not choosing to follow God and the blessings and cursings, just like Moses is telling them, that result from this. But we see this all the way through. We have um, uh, Saul, who later becomes Paul, who chooses to follow Christ later, and earlier he didn't. We see Judas, who was a disciple of Christ, who then chose to not follow Christ. We have uh, Paul writing, those who have made a shipwreck of their faith. Well, how can you how can you have a shipwreck of your faith if that's not a thing that can happen? Right? Why is he warning about that? Yeah. Totally. Why is he warning people, I'm reading the small letters in the New Testament right now, and he's continually warning them, like, hey, stay on the path. Well, why would he warn them if it's like, ah, there's nothing you can do to fall off the path anyways. Don't worry about it. It's not. That's not the tone of his letters. He's saying, you chose it once. Keep choosing it. Now, God will be faithful. Jesus will be faithful. But you need to keep choosing it because you can unchoose it. You can choose to go astray, just like in 30. And I super highly recommend our listeners, read Deuteronomy 30. If you've listened to this and you know, kind of skimmed through the rest of the podcast without reading these chapters, read chapter 30. And, and if you have a cross-reference Bible, read the other verses that show up elsewhere um, as a result of it, because it'll take you to Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Romans and all kinds of places, is that I believe 100% what's being said. And I, that book is not quoting me, and I'm not quoting that book. We're both quoting the Bible. We're looking back at this source, and we're both seeing the same thing. God's saying, look, you have a choice, and choice goes all the way to, to, to Eden, like Adam and Eve were in a perfect world, and they were still given choice. And yeah. could they choose wrong? I don't know. Let's have a vote. Did they choose wrong? Absolutely. No. Like, 
And could it go bad as a result of their choice? Here we are. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So I agree. I, I agree 100%. And that is why, and I know, Matt, this is a big deal for you, too. And it is for me, too. God gives us choice. Yeah. He always gives us choice because then love becomes love. It doesn't become fear and oppression, like you'll love me or I'll cause pain for you. Or, you know, it's not that. It's like, it's truly love. Like, we, I can choose or not choose him. Now, he's telling us quite plainly, look, if you choose your own way, it's going to go bad. Like, my, it's, it reminds me of the Veggie Tales my kids would listen to. There's a little song, God's Way is the Best Way. Mm. You know, God's Way is the Best And it really, that's like Deuteronomy in a nutshell. In one verse, that's Deuteronomy. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, wait, how did how did the song go? Could you sing the whole thing for I think me? We, just, we uh, just stepped in some uncharted territories. Now we're singing <laughs> the podcast. That's what, that's what you got. That was the fur that was the beginning, middle, and end of my singing career on the podcast. There you go. <laughs> oh gosh. Hi everybody. I'm Larry the Cucumber. Eric's gonna lead us in a song today. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> and on that note yeah with that note yeah just remember just the, the the like the final the final thing just to say about that was is like verse nine talks about choose life that you and your descendants may live just choose life and that's it what that's was it that you said eric you said something before about um, holding fast, because right at the end of chapter 30, it says, um, love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. What did, what did you say before? You said it a few weeks ago about like where else the phrase hold fast shows up. Oh, sure. It shows up in 1020. Um, and then from there, it shows up in a number of other places. And so for the summary, if you haven't listened to the other podcast, what hold fast is, that's the same phrase that God chooses as he's talking to Adam and Eve. Like, Hold fast to each other. And we're like, wait a minute, what's he talking about? And in the New Testament, Paul writes, do not hold fast to a prostitute. And we're like, okay, we're talking about something pretty under the sheets here. Yes, literally. That's literally. What, that's what the phrase means, is to hold fast, to be like, to become one intimately with. And God is saying over and over through Deuteronomy here, I want you to not just obey my voice, but to hold fast to me, like be that close, be that intimate. And I mean, it's just like, come on, it says holding fast to him for he is your life and your length of days. It's a, he's really pleading for their heart. I mean, come on, I have set before you life and death. Choose. This is somebody who cares really intimately about us. And wants our good. And so that's where that phrase holding fast is, is that like he wants that really intimate heart, really not lip service. He wants our heart to be beating in one with him. And we, we don't know what way to go except for he tells us like he says, like this isn't that hard in, in 11. It's not too hard for you. I, I'm telling you literally how to do this, where, where you're in bounds and where you're out of bounds. So, yeah, he wants that intimate relationship with us. He wants us to follow and obey him because it results in blessing. Choose life. Yeah. 
Okay, I think that will wrap up our discussion for today. Next week, we will, looks like we will wrap up the entire book of Deuteronomy, which will wrap up the Torah, the Pentateuch. So we will read next week. Any other side chapters or odd, odd yes, things? Yes, chronologically? yep. So next week, we, we read Deuteronomy 31 through 34, and we will also read Psalms 90 and 91. Now, some of that, we should have read 90 long before this. I wasn't paying close enough attention. We should have read Psalm 90 back in numbers, but I think it'll, I bet it'll be okay. So if you want to read ahead for that, remember Deuteronomy 31 through 34 and Psalms 90 and 91. While you are waiting to hear us, you can reach us at attbpodcast at theadventure.org. Find us on Facebook. Share this podcast with your friends and family and neighbors and and uh, people on the street and, you know, just <laughs> random people just scream, adventure through the Bible and see what happens. Oh, no. That's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Marketing. We all got up very early. <laughs> <laughs> and be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you get us in your feed each and every week. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening. Next time you preach, I want the whole thing done in voices. In Larry Boy costume. That's what I, I would come back for that. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> One of my favorite things was, um, I think it's um, the Ballad of Little Joe. Oh, if yeah. See, if you see it, Ed, 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 Bob and Larry are, are arguing about what kind of episode it's going to be. And Larry's like, I think we really need a Bible story, Larry. And Larry's like, you said we could have a Western, Bob. <laughs> a Western, Bob. <laughs> it just cracks me up. I don't know why, but it busts me up. <laughs>